In the Mountain West, we take the lead. We show heart and grit and have the vision to be leaders in everything we do. We don't wait for opportunities. We create our own. Today is our day, and we will take the lead. Hey, everyone. Happy to be back with you all for another edition of the Mountain West podcast, Taking the Lead. Today's soccer episode features Colorado College head coach Carrie Sanchez. She's in her second season as head coach of the Tigers. Sanchez won four straight NCAA national championships as a player at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and has 13 caps with the United States women's national team, playing in the first ever World Cup qualifying tournament in 1991. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Colorado College head coach, Carrie Sanchez. Coach, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much for making time for taking the lead today. Ah, I'm excited to be here and, and look forward to our conversation. Yeah, I well, I have to say, you know, doing the research, my jaw is on the floor, right? When I'm when I'm reading your bio and seeing all of the, you know, the teams that you've been a part of, it's it's absolutely incredible. So, before we get into this year's team, let's dive into your career because anyone who knows anything about soccer, when they listen to the intro that I just pre-recorded, I'm sure their jaws are on the floor as well. So, We'll start with college. You played under legendary head coach Anson Dorrance at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, compiling a 97-1-1 record over four years, which led to four straight national championships. Can you give us some perspective as to what it was like playing on the best team in the country for one of the best coaches in this sport? Well, I think, yeah, I've just been privileged to have some really amazing experiences as a soccer player and now as a soccer coach. So, um, if I go back to my, you know, 18 year old self, as I'm trying to choose a school, like you don't think about that or the record they were on or the championships you can win. I just wanted to be at a program that fit me and the fit, the competitive, uh, atmosphere that I was looking for, uh, as a player, but then having uh, obviously lived through that experience, uh, just amazing, uh, in terms of just watching it's now that I'm a coach, right. The sustained success he's have had over years as Every, every team changes every year, right, in the collegiate game. So it's just been um, – it was a tremendous experience, met amazing people, and obviously had a, a great mentor in Anton as a coach. Yeah, I was reading an article about that 1992 season, and when asked about you, Anson Dorrance said whenever she made a run, she was impossible to catch. That trip, she ran all four games, never stopped. She was making a statement that she could run all day. So – can you take us back to that West Coast swing during that 92 season? Because four games in four days is something I think a lot of coaches would just gawk at nowadays. Yes, that's those of us that grew up in that 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 era where we didn't get as much rest between games. And now there's the argument over how much rest you need between games. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, and that was Anson's thing, right? Uh, if you're coaching a team that's always successful, you've got to find ways to motivate them and encourage them and find ways to challenge them right so that was the thing is traveling from the east coast all the way to the west coast playing four really really good teams in a stretch of four days uh and you know and Anson would would you know uh tell us that ah there's no way you guys can win all four of these I'm, I'm going to schedule this trip because I know this will be the one that that gets us because there's no way we can handle it and so I uh, always dangled that carrot to try to go get us motivated and excited to to meet his challenge 
Well, what some may not know about you is not only were you a soccer star, but a track star. So that running comment makes a whole lot of sense when you hear that. You were a part of three ACC championship track and field teams, one indoor and two outdoor, earning all conference accolades in the 400 meter hurdles. What did college life look like for Carrie Sanchez managing your body through both soccer and track? I think it was just two sports I really loved. And so um, that was one of the things in the recruiting process for me is finding a school that would embrace both of my sports and allow me to play both of them. And so, again, uh, very thankful to the University of North Carolina that both our, our co- co- track coach, Dennis Craddock, and, and Anson allowed me the opportunity to do that. And I'd grown up doing it. I, I grew up playing multiple sports. So for me, it was helpful to keep me focused in both sports to have the other sport kind of as a as a um, – a reprieve from the other one. So it actually helped me be better in both sports to continue to play them. Yeah. Well, North Carolina women's soccer was and is a dynasty, like, but especially when you were there as an athlete from, you know, 1986 to 94, the Tar Heels won nine consecutive national championships, you being a part of four of those. Like me growing up as a soccer player, I, I idolized North Carolina women's soccer. And, and, you know, that group specifically that you played on, you had thousands of fans, like the media coverage, the the passion was really ignited for women's soccer. And that generated from that team that you were a part of. What makes you the most proud knowing that you were a part of all of that? I just think um, just excited to be able to be a role model, right? I don't think we quite understood everything that we were going through as it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was one thing too, that Anson always talked to, to us about is that we're trying to sell the game in America. So play a style and play it, play. Um, can you hear that? I can. Is it your dog? I figured yes. it was. <laughs> What's my dog playing with a rock. And I apologize. I'm trying to get her to stop without being too distracting. Oh, good. I have a puppy behind me. I gave her two bones, and you think that would? You're be trying to distract her. <laughs> yes. Now she got her stuffed animal. There we go. Uh, but yes. But back to uh, being a part of that is Anson really did a good job of, of making us understand that we were still trying to sell a sport in America. And so if we had little girls in the stands to play for that little girl, play in a style of play that she'd be excited to watch us, which is why we are so attack oriented and put balls in the back of the net. Because in the American fan, that's what they want to see, right, is this game with a lot of scoring and excitement and hard work. And uh, so I think, again, Anson, we have to credit him a lot with understanding where the game of soccer was at that time and what we were trying to do as, as a group. Well, you also had 13 caps for the U.S. women's national team playing in the first ever World Cup qualifying tournament back in 1991. How would you even begin to sum up or describe that opportunity that so few get the privilege of of earning, right? Like wearing the crest in the country's colors. Yeah, again, it's just another um, grateful experience that I had the opportunity to be a part of kind of two a little bit of two generations of the U S women's national team. And uh, again, you just uh, got to learn from somebody, so many amazing women uh, that were great soccer players, but great human beings. And just to watch them kind of go through the part where you're not paid at all to where they are right now. It's, it's amazing to have just been a, a really, really small part of that, that journey. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, can you give us um, a couple of the names that you played with uh, at North Carolina and on the women's national team? Because I didn't want to give them all away, but I think it's pretty cool. I think people should know about it. 
Yeah. So that 92 team that you referred to had, you know, some of the big names in, in women's soccer with the national team. So we had Mia Hamm, we had Christine Lilly, we had Tisha Venerini Hoke. Uh, we had Angela Kelly, who was a Canadian at the uh, soccer player that went on to the 95 World Cup and now is coaching at Texas. Uh, and again, you could go down down the line, even even not just our starting group. We had just amazing players that have gone on to do amazing things, both within soccer and outside of soccer. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure those relationships still hold very special place in your heart, like even now to this day. I know, um, you know, you were an assistant coach to Angela at Texas. So how um, how much fun has it been to see where everyone has kind of landed in their journeys in soccer um, and then being able to reunite with some of your teammates this time on the coaching side of things? Yeah, I think it's it has been fun to kind of catch up with people through the years and see uh all the different journeys that people have taken and how many people are still involved in the game, whether directly involved or their kids are involved. Um, and so again, I think again, Anson did such a good job of, of setting that standard for us of making sure that we give back uh, to the game. And so many of us are, which is fun to see. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward to now you were in your second year as head coach at Colorado college. Why was this a spot that you felt would be a good fit for you? So for me, along my journey, this kind of puts just the two things together that I really, really enjoy about college athletics. I had the opportunity to work in a small, uh, high academic college environment at the Claremont Colleges. That was the first opportunity I got to be a head coach. And I didn't know a ton about the Division III world, didn't know a ton about the high academic liberal arts world either. And so I got to learn a ton in my years there. And I really enjoy the student athlete that is attracted to the small high academic liberal arts school. They're driven, they're goal-oriented, they're disciplined, they're committed, uh, they're competitive. And so I just, all the, and those, all those attributes that make them such good students uh, translate onto the soccer field. And so they're just a lot of fun to coach. And then uh, along with that, at the division three world, you get a really good competitive fall. It's very similar to the division one. You know, I coach very similarly than I did, uh, did back then, but you don't get the year round interaction with your student athletes and as much springtime to develop. And so being at Colorado college gets, I get the opportunity to coach those type of student athletes at a high academic liberal arts school with getting to train them year round as division one student athletes. And so it was just kind of the best of both worlds. And plus I love the tradition of Colorado college. They were on the forefront of women's sports from the beginning. Uh, they were first on board when the NCAA sponsored women's soccer. They they uh, were one of the first, I think it was 79, don't quote me on that, uh, of, of those schools. And, and uh, a tremendous start uh, to the Colorado College women's soccer um, legacy. And so I'm just excited to be a part of that and try to see if we can get us back uh, into championship form. Yeah. Well, last season in your first year, uh, you certainly started off on a good foot. You led CC back to the Mountain West tournament for the first time since 2018. Um, although not the records you want to have right now this season, how have you seen this team, though, continue to build off of last year's success and getting that experience in the Mountain West tournament? Yeah, I think, again, that was one of their, the seniors from last year, that was one of the legacies they wanted to leave behind is, is getting us back into the Mountain West tournament. And they did a tremendous job of kind of dragging us all there uh, and setting a tone. And then this year's team has seen how hard it is to try to repeat, right? Uh, when you lose a group of seniors, how do you replace those, uh, not just the on-field personalities, but the off-field personalities? And I think that's some of the struggles we're seeing this year. But I love the fight that the team has. I love that we're still building culture. 
which ultimately is the base of what's going to help us be successful. So if we can continue to see the little things that we are starting to piece together, and then uh, we obviously have to take uh, take ownership of the fact that we're not getting the wins that we need, uh, but we still have. And that's here's the Mountain West Conference that I know we're going to talk about at some point. It's it's so tight at the bottom, and everybody's fighting for those last couple of spots in the playoff mix, and we're, we can still be in it. We need we obviously have to win on our part and maybe get a little bit of a help, but we're still in it. And I think so. It's learning how to kind of grind and grit your way at the end of the season uh, to get as many points as you can to give yourself a chance to be uh, in the playoffs at the end. I know it's it's frustrating at times, right? When you're right there in these games. I think uh, you guys had five games this season that have ended with a 2-1 score. You're right there. And I'm sure it's just, you're right there. You're ready. You, you just want to come out with some of those wins. But the one thing about this Colorado College team, year in and year out, they are always in a game. And I think that is um, something that I really admire about the Colorado College program. Um, how... I guess my question for you, what are some of the core characteristics that you see in this team that are always keeping you in games and always, you know, um, putting your best foot forward? Right. Yeah. We talk about that. And those are some of the values that we try to live by, which is our grit. Uh, for sure. We are in it. We are hardworking regardless of the score. We're trying to put a ball in the back of the net uh, to, to get us back into a game. Uh, we're shooting at the last second if we can. Uh, so I love the grit that this team plays with uh, traditionally, as well as this current uh, in, uh, version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talk about pride uh, playing. You're not, you're not just playing for yourself. You're playing for your family. You're playing for the school. You're playing for all the players that played before you. Uh, and so I think that's one of the other things that kind of keeps them going is, is uh, pride. And we talk about love, right? You got to enjoy the time that we're together, right? We spend a lot of time. We work really, really hard for uh, a four-year span with these people. So we want to make sure that we're enjoying each other's company and enjoy getting pushed by one another. And so you've got to have some love and trust is the other thing we talk about. And lastly, our, our, one of our values is respect, right? Respect uh, your teammates, respect the school, respect your classmates, uh, all forms of respect, respect the game. And so uh, they're just values that n- not only can we help us be a good soccer team, but it's going to help you later in life as well. Yeah, I think it's so important for teams to have those core values and core characteristics to kind of keep you on the right track. It's so easy, you know, when things aren't going your way or when they are going your way and you kind of stray um, from, you know, your identity. I think it's important to to have those core characteristics and, and values. Well, Shalom Prince and Lily Byrne lead the team with three goals apiece this season, but in total, nine players have put one in the back of the net for the Tigers in 2023. What's pleased you about the diversity and scoring? this season. Yeah. I just like that. Anybody will step at it, step up at any given time. <clears throat> we have lots of players that feel like they can uh, be that impact player for us. And I think that's a, a tremendous thing to have on your team is that uh, anytime you think you can score, that's awesome. That's awesome confidence that, that not only gives the player, but it gives all the people around them. And so we do like the fact that we have so many people that have gotten on the scoreboard. And and I know Shalom, right, as one of our leading scorers, would love to have, have, you know, doubled or tripled that current (laughs) current tally. So we keep trying to help her uh, get some more shots on goal. And same with Lily. Lily in the past couple of of weeks have really – uh, has really kind of uh, stepped up her game. You can tell she's a senior with, you know, limited games left. And uh, again, she's the kind of that person that we're uh, the energy of our team. We're trying to, you know, win some games for not only her, but the rest of the seniors to try to get to play one more. 
Yeah, when we spoke before the Wyoming game um, on Saturday this past week, you told me that Lily Byrne is is you know the engine of this team, and it it's definitely noticeable. I mean, having watched Lily for the last two seasons and then this year, um, it's it rings true that she's definitely the engine uh, for this team. Just she's like the Energizer Bunny out there, just constantly in on the plays, and she's really fun to watch. Yeah, she does. She does a great job on both sides of the ball. She lays her body on the line. She's trying, you know, she tries to dribble through two or three people to either get her, her own shot off or to get a teammate a shot. Uh, and so she really does uh, uh, play with all of our values and you can see them out on the field. And, and she's definitely a role model for, for all of our, our, our young players. Well, another player I'd love to point out, Reagan Wallace. Uh, we spoke about her also um, ahead of the Wyoming match, but has been a pleasant surprise in net this season, the true freshman from California. What do you think her having the opportunity to earn game time in this experience as a freshman that is so rare? Um, how do you think that will benefit her moving forward? Uh, I think it's going to be great for her. I know it's been a little bit of a struggle for her goals against average, but uh, I think Again, the experience is you've seen her kind of grow up really, really fast <laughs> in terms of how can she be an impact player from the goal line. And I think it's going to help her become a leader faster than she would have had she not gotten this many minutes as a freshman. And she's learned to take the lumps, right? And, and she's back at practice the next day trying to figure out ways to make sure that that whatever goal went in that previous game doesn't go in again on her. And so uh, I just love to see the positivity that she's kept for us. Uh, she was one when we were talking about who lives by our values. She was one that was brought up by the team because she's handling those obstacles and still coming out and fighting every day for our team. And so uh, it's great to see a young player kind of step into that role and do such a good job. Well, you're only in year two with the program, but moving forward, what do people need to know about Colorado College women's soccer and where this program is headed? I think, again, we're trying to set this base of having uh, just really good, solid values, really good habits. We want to be that gritty team that's always working hard. We never want to be that team that's outworked. And then we want to start uh, getting this collective belief. I think the team that wins, uh, especially at the Mountain West, you saw Wyoming for sure had that last year. Uh, so we kind of use them as an example for us in terms of collective belief. I think, And you can say that about the other two, San Jose State, New Mexico. Uh, and then you can see San Diego State and Boise this year when you play them, just this belief in themselves. And that's, I think, what we're still trying to get. Uh, that's what's going to help us win games and win games con consistently. And so I think that's the next step in our journey is uh, continue to obviously keep the culture in the space going, get a little bit better at those little habits that that matter for consistent winning, and then find this collective belief that we do belong here. We do belong at the at, uh, competing for championships at the Mountain West Conference level. Well, with three matches left in conference action, your Tigers sit with a 2-6-0 record in conference action. What is your message to the group moving forward in these final few matches? I think, again, it's it's trying to set, uh, set the precedent that we're trying to set about who we want to be. Continue mm -hmm. to uh, try to play with the identity we're trying to play with. We're trying to be uh, uh, a possess-oriented team. We're trying to create goal-scoring opportunities, and we're trying to get better at shoring up the defensive side. What we said is I think our team has gotten better in the middle of the field. Unfortunately, you don't win games by how you're playing in the middle of the field. <laughs> it's how you're playing and it's how you're playing in both boxes. Uh, so though I think our style of play is, is more attractive, it's not getting things done on either box. And so that's kind of the next step is what can we do in these last three games to give us some more confidence that one, we can keep the ball to the back of our net 
And two, we can put more shots on goal and pressure the other team's keeper a little bit more. But I have enjoyed watching uh, how much we've gotten better in the middle part of the field. Well, you've seen a lot of soccer throughout your career as a player and as a coach. What maybe surprised you or has impressed you the most about the soccer that is being played in the Mountain West? I think uh, there's tremendous variety in the styles of play of each team and even the formations that are played. And so prepping for each team is kind of fun to do because you're seeing different personalities, different strengths and weaknesses with different teams. And then I just love that there's no, uh, there's, Nobody that's kind of consistently won over and over and over. You'll see a team kind of emerge up uh, and then somebody else takes over. And so just the competitiveness from the top to the bottom, I think, is uh, tremendously exciting. Whenever I'm recruiting, I tell recruits that are usually in whether it's high school or their league play for club, uh, they're not having to play this many competitive games in a row. And so you can see the young players about halfway through conference season start to be a little bit overwhelmed because they're not used to having to show up and play well every game, twice a week for a six-week period, right? Uh, And so I just love – but I'm a competitive person, so I love that about the Mountain West. I love that every game is going to be – you don't know what's going to happen. you got to come ready, and you've got to be ready to make some adjustments based on what the other team is showing that day. And and so it's been really, really fun just in year two. Yeah, that's so interesting you say that to to recruits because it is. Like you notice it when you're in conference play and you just find it to be a regular thing. But I'm sure for these freshmen, they're like, holy cow, like this is this is gritty. This is tough for every single game during conference action. When you see them maybe start to to feel overwhelmed or see, okay, wow, there is no easy game in this conference. What do you tell them or what do you hear your upperclassmen telling them about the grind that is the Mountain West? I think you have to experience it. I think it's hard to just kind of talk about it. We try to find kind of uh, ways to take away a little bit of the stress and pressure through doing something fun at training or, or uh, having a trivia night or doing something to try to kind of just ease the pressure a little bit because it can start to build a lot. And then once you add it, add in the tests and different things that are happening within the classroom. So I think it's trying to find a little levity to, to the situation, but then also help them understand that this is the standard and this is, this is what you expect. And, and I always talked about when we were at North Carolina, when, when the temperature changed and it started to get cold, like that's when we started to come alive. Right. Cause that was, that's, that's the part of the season where now you dig deep and you figure out a way to keep playing. Right. Which because it's usually down in the playoff time where you you get to keep playing if you're winning. And as soon as you lose, you're done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's teaching mindset. We're working on the mentality side of the game because I think that's uh, a tremendous separator as well. Absolutely. Well, coach, it is now time for the final third. Are you ready? I don't know, but I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My first question for you. Who is the most famous person's phone number that you have in your phone? Oh my goodness. I would probably have to say Mia Hamm. I figured that would be the answer. (laughs) That's a pretty famous person. So I love that answer. Yes. In the soccer world, that is a pretty famous person. Pretty famous. Um, Best part about living in Colorado. Ah, just all the outdoor things that you can do here. Hiking, biking, skiing, snowboarding, so many outdoor things you can do. And I, I love that. No shortage and it's year round too, which is great. Um, What is a core memory that you have from playing at UNC? I think just like you said, when that temperature changed and it's the playoffs were coming and you're with your teammates and 
you know, we would be practicing and, and trying to get something right. Nancy doesn't let us leave and it's getting dark. We had no lights on our field and can't see anything. And we're still just trying to grind it out to make sure we have it right for the next day. Those are some of my good core memories of playing at Carolina. You're going to be humble about that. You weren't going to say the two game winners in national championships. I mean, I'll say it for you, coach. (laughs) Well, I think everybody says the national championships, right? And those are special. And each one was very different. And you can have a story about each one of those years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I always tell people when you ask anybody that played there, some of their best memories, it's the teammates that they played with, right? It's those memories of of the time with your your friends uh, that were some of the most core memories because the, the national championships are easy answers. <laughs> right. Well, and it's 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 that journey getting yeah. you to that. Ah. I'm sure makes it all that much more rewarding when you finally get there. Um, nothing to do with soccer, but what is your go-to binge-watching movie? Oh, I do like sports movies. So, like, Remember the Titans is a good one that we just brought up the other day. But some of those, like, uh, similar type stories, right, where a team has to struggle – and then they figure it out at the end and put it all together. Uh, so, so some of those inspirational movies, especially this time of year, as, as you're kind of in that grind of the season, uh, are probably my binge-worthy movies. Yeah, Remember the Titans is just a classic. And the, the soundtrack in that movie, A+. A+. My last one for you. If you had one extra hour in each day, how would you use it? Oh. I do. I do like to uh, get outside, take my dog for a walk, listen to a podcast. Uh, It's kind of just my way to to chill, think about things, uh, review things, get ready for the day. So that's probably what I would do with that hour. Probably spending it outside. All right. I love that. Well, coach, thank you so much for joining me on Taking the Lead today. It's always a great time talking with you and good luck the rest of the season. I appreciate the conversation. It was fun. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that's Colorado College women's soccer head coach, Carrie Sanchez. The 2023 Mountain West Women's Soccer Championship is just around the corner. Head on over to the MW.com backslash WSOCChamp for tickets, schedules, championship history, and more. Join us next week for more episodes of Taking the Lead, available on Apple, Spotify, and the SiriusXM app. XM app.